Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2016 movie Independence Day colon Resurgence. We talk about the absence, the terrible, terrible absence of Will Smith. Can Jeff Goldblum resurrect a dead script? Are there any characters worth cheering for? Can we have a moon base on Saturn in just 20 years? Roland Emmerich shows people driving around in a very long, clunky vehicle in this episode of Movies on the Side. This week, we reviewed the 2016 sequel, Independence Day, colon, Resurgence. Nate, it's been a while since we've had a colon in a movie title. That's how you know it's good. It's been a while, and our friend Roland is back. <laughs> you know, I actually didn't know Roland uh, directed this thing until you, until you texted me and said, why? <laughs> why can he never get a good script? Oh, man. But before we jump into the, this movie, we probably should have reviewed the original first, because I find the original to be good and provide good memories. Did you have good memories of the original? I do. I have very good memories of the original. Found myself while watching this one wishing I had watched the first one. I have good memories of it, but I don't know if that was just through kid eyes. Well, as we've discussed on several episodes, when Will Smith is in a movie, there's a good chance, even if everything around is bad, there's at least some redeeming qualities. Right. What I remember from the first one is the chemistry between Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum being really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that stands up. I think another thing I remember is that the disaster moments of Independence Day, the White House, the, yes. the beam, the ship sort of moving over, and then I remember the doctor guy, Oaken. Data from Star Trek, yep, <laughs> gets pressed against the glass as the alien oh, yeah. presses on his vocal cords. And I thought, well, this is very disturbing and cool. Yes, and Will Smith dragging an alien across the desert. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the president. Okay, well, first of all, let me give you the rotten tomatoes oh, oh, for this movie. the speech you love so much, and quote, Listen, every morning when you wake well, up. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> That'd be a funny speech to quote in the morning. We will not go quietly into the night. <laughs> but anyway. It's a very antagonistic, uh, hey, Stephen, um, you just you planning on going to war today? <laughs> right. Listen. Every day's a war with yourself. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes is exactly the same for both critics and audience. I don't know if we've ever had this before. Ooh. Do you care to wager what critics and audience agree? 28%. That is very, very close. It is 30, 30% <sighs> for critics and audience. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. We were just talking about characters, so let's talk about it. Jeff Goldblum signed on for this sequel. Without Will Smith. Will Smith is not in this movie. Can we talk about that for a second? Yes. And if you saw the, the title for this episode and thought this was the one with Will Smith, it's not. Even though the name is almost the same. <laughs> this is Just so you know. Will Smithless. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. T- tell me, what happened to Will Smith? Reportedly, Will Smith asked for $50 million to be in th- two sequels. Oh, Two Independence Day sequels. So this movie, as you may have guessed by the end of it, which we will not talk about now, but later, 
they were thinking, all right, there might be two of them. And if this one does well in the box office, we will mm. do a sequel to this one, a third one to complete the trilogy. Nice. Not 20 years spaced apart um, because Roland Emmerich actually wanted to do a sequel a little bit earlier than this, as you would probably believe. Will Smith wanted uh, quite a bit of money. My thesis here, like some treasure hunters out on a boat needing to film the mothership drilling into the Earth's core, asking for $100 million, there is no amount of money that Will Smith should ask for that the studio does not immediately say, yes. (laughs) Deal. Yes, deal. I mean, like, I know maybe it's a pride thing. Roland Emmerich actually made a comment saying, like, yep, Will Smith will not be in this sequel. It didn't work out. He's uh, he's too expensive, and he's a little bit too big for this movie nowadays. Um, we have only about half the cast of our old movie and a bunch of uh, new faces as well. So this will actually work out just fine. That was his, like, official statement? It, I mean, not word for word, but that was the general sentiment yeah, but was, of the... Oh, no, no, it was more like, listen, it's going to be okay. Uh, we couldn't get him. Which I don't often hear uh, directors say, admit so readily, like, listen, he was too expensive for this movie. Yeah, I mean, better for the movie having the director say that than... Will Smith read the script and thought it was garbage, so he's not going to be in this movie. Right. <laughs> I think Will Smith did make do some sort of interview around that time. He was doing uh, okay. Suicide Squad and the Concussion movie or something. He tried to be a little bit more diplomatic with it. And I think he was saying something like, yes, yeah, uh, you know, I would have loved to do it's it, but time. it just didn't work out and the conf- you know, scheduling and all that yeah. stuff. I would love to hear if a third movie had been made, and maybe one day it will. What will be after the colon in the third movie? Insurgents. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, Independence Day colon Allegiant? Divergent. No, it would have to be, it would have to be Apocalypse. Independence Day colon Apocalypse. Or Revenge. No, you can't you can't have two R's. Independence Day colon yeah. Stargate. We just combined the two. <laughs> uh Independence Day colon we'll have it in another part of the year, not July fourth. Right. Because <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> Both We'll call it New Year's Day. <laughs> Independence Day colon uh, with a vengeance. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Back to Will Smith. I needed some Will Smith. If you can't afford Will Smith for a lot of this movie, I needed a cameo of Will Smith just like at the end. Right. Like walking out of a trailer or something on the salt flats and being like, oh, that would have given it an 8% bump on Rotten Tomatoes if yes, he made a cameo. Right? Absolutely. They need to get the people from Gemini Man to put in a CG Will Smith somewhere. And here's the thing. They did, probably because Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin were a little salty about Will Smith not being in this. Right. Did you hear the throwaway line about Will Smith's character? Which, I don't know anyone's any character names in any of these movies, but whatever he, whoever he played, did you hear how he died? No, but isn't there a picture of him on like the White House wall or something? There is. There is a picture of him. Right. And there is a throwaway line of something like... Captain Hiller, considering he died during a test flight, how do you feel taking off for the moon from a hangar named after your father? He would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible question. Right, right. 
you can't have Will Smith just his character go out in a training exercise. No, yeah, that's true. like I feel like that was a dig of like he didn't die heroically. He was testing some alien tech and died. Yeah, but I would say it's no more disrespectful than the treatment of the mom, which we'll get to later. Without Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, who I love, Jeff Goldblum. I've seen all of his episodes of that Disney Plus original show, The World mm-hmm. According to Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. I like pretty much any movie he's in. I really like Jeff Goldblum. Would you be able to give me a Jeff Goldblum impression, this kind of off the cuff? You see, it, it's chaos theory. You see, it, you, the water goes this way, and then it, the water could go that way, and it's just chaos. Oh, you're, you're finding your way. Yeah, I was getting there. I was you getting were, there. You were heading into the forest of Jeff Goldblum, and you almost stumbled upon the, <laughs> on the path. I loved it. <laughs> It was it was a mix between like uh, was it Christopher Walken and Jeff Goldblum I think but wow hello wow yeah you see uh, yeah oh, yes 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 very yeah very good yes yes yeah yeah I I love the you and the thing is about Jeff Goldblum impressions is you got to do the hand on the face kind of motions and, and so your eyes have to, to dart know. around like oh. Yeah. <laughs> We thought we'd be back. Right. I thought, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. I, I can't do it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all that to say, I love Jeff Goldblum, but even he, even he could not resurrect this script out of the ashes and make good lines. Him with his glasses looking seriously or forebodingly at a computer screen is still great. It is. If you get a suspense surge in the music and he looks up like, yeah. Now we only have one hour. It's still good. It's still good, but then he has to say something. Yeah, then and he nothing has to say the words. Is, yeah, <laughs> nothing is well said. Which movie do you think is better, the Jeff Goldblum Jurassic World, in which Jeff Goldblum appeared, but Sam Neill did not appear in this last one, Fallen Kingdom? Yeah. Or this movie? Which one do you think was more important? Because Jeff Goldblum appeared in about five minutes of that Jurassic World one in court. Life finds a way. Yeah, and he had a big beard, didn't he? He had a really big, like... I think so, yeah. I mean, I would take Jurassic World over this, to be honest. Okay. As much as I love aliens. Okay, so the premise is 20 years after the first Independence Day movie, we have now developed all this alien technology because of what we found on their ships. Mm -hmm. My first issue with this premise, we see, like, all these ships flying around and all this futuristic stuff. Like, having the knowledge of what this stuff is made of doesn't necessarily give you the ability to make it. I would have liked to have seen some kind of uh, like plane factory or somewhere where they're actually making these mm-hmm. weapons and planes and stuff because like all of a sudden, like 20 years is not that long. Right. This was four years ago and like we're in the future and I just don't see how that's possible. But Steven, it's 20 years of the world working together. Oh. That's right. And if all the great minds of the world were combined, yes, that is which true. that is a fun concept that they lean into really, 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 really hard. Yeah. I don't know how realistic it is that even if we have a common enemy, that the people of the world all just go like, all right, us v aliens for 20 years. I feel like it would be us v aliens for five years. Yeah. And then there would be some countries like, we have alien tech. <laughs> And then there would be, well, I don't know if you've seen the news lately, like in real life, but there's kind of like a new space race to Mars. Have you seen this? Mm, No. The United Arab Emirates, uh, Japan and Russia are all sending unmanned probes to Mars. 
And they all have BattleBot features to like flip over the other drone. One's got a big a, saw on the front. They have a shovel on the front. And, yes. and, you know, we here in America, we now have a branch of the government that is dedicated to defending uh, our American interests in space. Yeah, the Starfleet Command. <laughs> the Space Force. So, yeah, I don't believe this. There's even a throwaway line to, like, they took out our base on Saturn's moon or something. Yep. Some kind of force pulling at Saturn's rings. What about our defense base there? It's gone. And I said, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> 20 years, you would not have made a base on Saturn's moon. Well, I guess if you were to really be able to mine the knowledge of the aliens. But it seems that people are surprised in this movie that others can speak the alien language. And I think that if, if you're going to use alien tech, if you can't decipher their language how are you operating any of their ships or finding any of their knowledge if you can't understand their written language right you need to get amy adams yeah <laughs> you do <laughs> the, the same circle same sort of time thing yeah that's right man i missed the elegance of an arrival in this movie you know we should do arrival we haven't done that yet that's a good movie yeah we should now back to this movie <laughs> the beginning shows a really techie DC, which is made up entirely of CG things, and oh. never before did I have I appreciated great model making of actual things because <laughs> it looks at times like near the Capitol building in the Washington Monument, someone took photo scanned their uh, iPad Pro and then no, not even iPad Pro, like a a monitor from nineteen ninety eight. Oh, okay. And yeah. with like a little bit of a thick back to it, and blew it up so they could look like big screens that are right. five hundred feet long. Yeah, I kept looking at those things like those are just tablets that they just put down there in the. There's a lot of CG in this movie. A lot of CG. I think that's one of also the benefit. Like the first movie, there's some CG obviously, but when we see the alien behind the glass, like that's a practical. Right. Effect, right? It's like a puppet, yep. basically. Yep. Yeah. And, the thing and there was a practical destruction of a model right. of the, was it the Capitol building or the White House? No, it was the White House. It was the White House. That's right. They love the monuments. One of the things from the first movie, too, is the suspense when all the ships fire at once. And then there's like this ring of fire that goes through the cities. Mm -hmm. We have like five to ten minutes of people trying to escape that. And one of the characters is, is a Will Smith's girlfriend that or fiance that has to like go into the side closet of the tunnel yep in in the first movie yeah like we don't get that like we get jeff goldblum's dad on a boat trying to and in a bus with kids <laughs> trying to outrun these ships and it's like uh, i just don't feel yes it. it's too big you have okay so you have touched on this and i think we should get to the rating yeah okay. very soon because it's hard not to do spoilers i would like to discuss yeah more of this movie I mean, if you didn't know that aliens attacked us again from the cover of this, right? I'm not sure what you were thinking. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're doing. Here's an issue with this movie. This movie begins the very first shot, which we find out is Bill Pullman's dream. Right. Which we haven't even talked about Bill Pullman in this movie yet. Oh, man. It zooms through the sky and it shows this alien base and a, an alien hand like touching on some screens and you know and then he wakes up in a sleep or whatever uh -huh. here's something that's very interesting about the first movie it starts small 
it starts with like kind of a guy who's been abducted a lot. We get Randy Quaid up in there. Right. It starts like it builds on alien lore and then all of a sudden it ramps up and there's this like suspense and this fear of like I have never seen an alien ship until these big old saucers come. Right. This movie starts showing me aliens, showing me an alien hand. So there's no sense of suspense. Right. And it makes the mistake of thinking the way to make this invasion better than the last invasion is to make the ships bigger. And if you're going to have a 3,000 mile long ship, you just can't capture it effectively to make it a fun visual. If you zoom back and see it landing over the Earth, then you just have a CG shot of the Earth, which I can't relate to because I've never been out in space. Right, plus it's flat. If you're down if you're down on the ground, you just see like it just looks dark. Right. Because you can't see the edge of it. So it's not super like scary looking right the mistake that bigger ships and more alien ships and bigger wars actually makes it seem more dangerous but in fact it takes me out of the uh suspense of like one person trying to survive in because i don't believe even the the grandpa or the grandpa the the dad i don't believe anyone surviving london the whole city getting sucked up. Like when I view everything as completely hopeless in the way of the invasion, it takes away the suspense. And I think, all right, well, they're going to crack the world in half. Call it a day. There's a line that I think you texted me as you were probably watching it where it says, it has its own gravity. What does that mean? It means we're going for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a, I, d- I don't think that's how gravity works. No, I think I think the bigger an object is, it has a gravitational pull to it. I think that's correct. I don't know enough gravitational pull to pull up a city off the Earth. This is what I'm saying. Like the Earth is still there. I don't think it can have more gravitational pull than the Earth. So you know, maybe you could jump a little higher. I assume Roland Emmerich did his homework and found out exactly the gravitational yeah, pull of a right. three thousand mile wide mothership. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, let's rate this thing, and we could talk about some specifics. I think we should rate it on a scale of zero to five school buses. Yeah, because that is the star of the end of the movie. Between limos, school buses, campers, <laughs> is there anything that Roland Emmerich loves more than people escaping in clunky long vehicles? <laughs> in probably, yeah, cumbersome vehicles. I'm gonna give this movie two school buses. Two school buses. It's it's really bad, but there's something that I'm gonna talk about after the spoiler horn that I feel deserves some credit. And we'll discuss afterwards. But the the script is terrible. Don't care about the characters. You still have Jeff Goldblum. And so a point for Jeff Goldblum staring off into the distance looking serious. And another point for what I will reveal after the spoiler horn. Mm. But two buses. Okay, I'm going to give this movie one and a half buses. So I guess one medium, one normal size bus and one short bus. You know, 12, 12 seats in it. I have a disdain for the potential that this movie there is there are moments of potential magic because this subject matter still peaks something inside of me <laughs> yes. that is actually fun and the fact that a not good movie was made but there was a potential to have a really cool movie inside here Uh makes me angrier. It probably is a two movie, but I'm going to give it, dock it down a half because I found it angry of how 
incompetently it plotted through its own story. Okay. Dr. Oaken. Yep. Dr. Oaken from the first movie was pleasantly quirky. But not he wasn't meant to be comedic relief in the first movie, right? No. No, he was not. He was not. He was like totally serious and committed and like I feel like he even yep. spoke as though he were intelligent. Yep. In this movie, he is couldn't stand him. No, he's a buffoon. Like we even get an unnecessary shot of him scratching himself yep. in underwear, which I I don't understand. Conspiracy theory, I think he did not have underwear. I think that's CG'd underwear on them. Really? Mm-hmm. Pretty much all his lines are just terrible. He when he's talking to the sphere which holds the wealth of all knowledge of the universe. Evie from Wally. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the sphere is telling him how his entire, like the sphere's planet was destroyed and it's the last right. one of them. Yep. First of all, during that whole sequence of exposition, the sphere keeps saying, correct. Mm -hmm. Ugh, gets really annoying. We're primitive? Correct. Also, do you trust that sphere? Saying, do you trust the sphere? I feel like it could speak English. Immediately upon talking to Dr. Oaken, why couldn't it broadcast English when it was on the moon? We were about to shoot it. It had to speak to a life form. Mm. It had to speak to a human first in order to learn their rudimentary language. Anyway, Dr. Oaken says, I am so sorry to hear that. Do you have a plan? Oh, man, it was bad. That's <laughs> one of the most bad. I, I didn't even write down quotes from this movie because there are so many bad ones that... I had to write down a few and... Okay, so Dr. Oaken is incorrigible. Two other characters that I wish would have could just be taken out of this movie completely. Mm -hmm. Number one, Charlie, which is the wingman of Liam Hemsworth, played by Travis Tope. Mm -hmm. I feel like his character throughout the entire movie is insufferable, and I, all of his lines are just cringy. Their relationship, they say how important they are to each other over and over and over again. Yes. But I sense nothing in Liam Hemsworth's character that does not view this guy as just kind of an inconvenience to him. Yeah, because Liam Hemsworth is also always rescuing him, except for the one time as they're going out of the mothership. And then even when they're in the mothership, which I didn't really like that whole sequence. You know, they wanted to do something cool, like show you an extended period of inside the mothership. It has its own ecosystem, you know, Nate. Yeah. The mothership. Yeah. And then, like, this friend comes over the ledge and he's like... Hey, it's like, why are what you up? yelling? <laughs> like, you're in enemy territory. Don't yell. Jack, did you make it? Rain, did you see him come out of there? Anyway, that character and then Jeff Goldblum's assistant or lawyer or something, whoever that guy is. But he's really annoying throughout the whole movie. And I wish he wasn't in it. The guy who's supposed to do like a ta the, the tax audit? Yeah, is it a tax? I don't even know. Yeah, tax audit. Is he a lawyer? Yeah, that character is. I, <sighs> there are a lot of people that are brought into here as like, oh, these kind of be some nice, fun, goofy side characters. They don't seem to land to me. No. At no. all. No. But then again, the main characters don't either. So I don't know why I was expecting him to. Like, what we're meant to believe is that this guy starts off nerdy, paper pushing, and then becomes cool, gun-toting, alien-killing warrior dude and his nerdiness of it. It is like those guards in Pirates of the Caribbean going from British guards to pirates. Right. 
and it's meant to be this fun like see like they're really embracing this war and they're loving it and he like becomes kind of friends with the warlord sort of maybe which i don't know on the other side characters actually liked is the warlord with the two swords he was probably my favorite yeah but even he has not much to do he grabs his swords and he stabs that one alien oh is he gonna kind of is he gonna kind of sabotage the mission because he's bent on revenge no he's just a helpful guy who stabs aliens in the back exactly ask him how does he do it he says you have to attack him from behind yeah that's it and i thought that was supposed to be some sort of clever thing nope that is he just stabs him from behind i told you you kill them from behind bill pullman president oh so Bill Pullman, in the first movie, you believe him as a president. Mm-hmm. He has the amazing speech. He's great. Doesn't he even flies in the final mission, right? Yeah. Yep. That's one of the, the cool things. They're like, Mr. President, he, you know, gets in the plane. Mm-hmm. This movie, he's totally lost his marbles. I'll be honest. I love it. What? I think that that is a great creative decision by this movie. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's no longer the president. He's no longer supposed to be like... But everyone calls him Mr. President. Well, yeah. I think the rest of your life, you kind of get called Mr. President. I don't know. I've never been president before. So if I run into Obama at Starbucks, I need to say Mr. President. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, yes. I think so. Okay. That's how that works. I didn't know that. I don't know. You'll have to look it up later. But here's the thing. I love the fact that he has been sort of riddled with alien psychic link throughout his life and it has made a toll on him like i think that is a fun creative decision i think him not being inspirational anymore is good he kind of becomes the randy quaid but the problem is he then makes that speech in the hangar to all these fighter pilots and that speech falls flat it is terrible in the last 20 years This planet has been unified in a way that's unprecedented in human history. That's sacred. That's worth fighting for. That is a really bad speech, yes. There's not another speech. That's the only one you get. Yep, yep, here's the problem. I don't mind if he gives sort of a bad speech and he's kind of like, you know, he's not the same man he once was, which makes you feel nostalgic for the first one, which is great. Sure. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sure. But there's a vacuum because he's no longer that guy. You need someone else to step up to be a leader and to be like inspirational in this movie. Yeah. Like you need someone to step into his shoes because he says like, I've had my time at the very end. He goes off to be like, I'm going to fly this plane, which by the way, the guy everyone knows has some um, mental issues because of the alien link. <laughs> Are they just going to let him take, uh, right. be the guy who volunteers for this? I don't think, I think they'd be like, thanks for wanting to do this. Yeah. But we have trained pilots that uh, <laughs> have flown in the last 20 years. Thanks, but no thanks. You have not. But he shaved, he, he shaved his beard. So he means business. That's how you yeah, know. Of he's, course. He's, so he's now he's, yeah, now he's yeah. in good shape. He doesn't have to use his cane, but there is a vacuum left by him. That someone else needs to step in. Jeff Goldblum should have made the speech, and he did not. Jeff Goldblum did make a speech. I mean... At the end. Remember that? Yeah, very short, kind of lackluster. Will Smith's supposed son also makes a speech. Oh. Like a short one before they go attack, and his is really bad, too. We'll all try to converge at the same time, but whoever gets to the target first will deliver the payload. Can I tell you something? Yeah, go ahead. Will Smith's fictional son... 
yes. should naturally have more charisma than this character. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. If nothing else, you should have more. Man, that guy had nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Let's talk about the mother dying. Yeah. Since we're on the fictional son. Vivica Fox, who I believe was the fiance in the first one. Okay. So she works in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And as all these buildings are coming down, she brings a patient to the roof for a helicopter liftoff. Who just had a baby. Who's holding the baby? And they crouch down on this helipad after there is no helicopter. And she says something like, we're going to die. And the mom looks at her and says, we are not going to die. And I thought, yes, you are going to die. (laughs) There's a part of like motivational thinking in some situations, but reality hits eventually. I mean, I guess it's okay saying you're not going to die if there's something you need to do. They are literally on top of a roof. I don't know what she needs the mom to, like, buck up for. (laughs) Yeah. So when the mom and baby get on the helicopter and then the mother dies because the building buckles right at the last moment or something. And the son is in a fighter jet nearby just kind of watching and giving the most lackluster voiceover of, get on the chopper, mom. Mom. That's exactly what it sounds like. No. No, Mom. No. No. Get on the... Oh, Mom. Yeah. And then he has like one scene where he almost tears up with Liam Hemsworth, and then that's it. The way they shoot this, the mom dying, falling into the building, is from about a half mile away. We see her fall off the chopper and into the wreckage of the building. It is such a weird way to show the death of of a character that I think we're supposed to care about. I think so. Because we see several scenes of her, like, talking to her son and rescuing people in the hospital. And then we show her falling into the building like we're just watching a little CG mini person fall into a building. It was such an odd way to do it. It was very strange. I I didn't like it. (laughs) I I mean, it all felt like, okay, it's supposed to give Dylan... Is that his name? The motivation... Yeah, I just looked it up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it. It's supposed to give Dylan like an extra sort of like oomph. Yeah. It it doesn't really help him get, it just helps him get a little teary one time. I want to talk about two relationship chemistries. One, Liam Hemsworth and Dylan's, the character, Will Smith's son, supposedly have this vendetta where Liam Hemsworth almost killed him in training and now they're mad at each other. The, the script around their conflict is like this. Hey, are you going to say hi to Dylan when you see him? You know that uh, because of the training accident, he's still pretty mad. Then someone else goes like, eh, are you still thinking about that accident in which you almost killed him? And then he goes and watches the video tape. He watches the footage right. of him. Oh, hey, hey, if you get past me, you're going to clip my wing and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to crash. Oh, I need no. to eject now. And then, like, hey, all right, when I see him, I'm not going to punch him because of that training exercise that one time. That's the reason why I want to punch him, but I won't punch him. Why do we even need this conflict, Nate? I don't even understand the purpose. So that when they're Pacific rimming, sharing the heart of the alien ship together, we can be like, they're working together. Hey, I just want to let you know, if we get out of this alive, I'm sorry for almost killing you in that training accident that one time. (laughs) why do we have to know all of this like why do we have to be told 
We don't. Over and over again, hey, do you remember why these two people don't like each other? It's that training accident. We are told everything, everything. that is happening as it's happening. We're told everything. Like whenever something's happening, it's like, hey, that thing's happening over there. And then we see it. And they're like, hey, that sphere is telling us that the answer's there. Hey, that laser that we just saw hit the shield, that didn't do anything. They have a shield on. <laughs> The the queen has her own shield. The queen's very... I think the queen's still alive and very big. <laughs> Shoot the queen. I know the weak spot is where the tentacles come out of the back of the queen. How do you know that, Liam? I don't know, because the thing on my screen says, weak point. Watch out! <laughs> the, Jeff Goldblum has two lines. When the mothership is landing, he says, that's definitely bigger than the last one. They say everything. When when they're flying through London or whatever and all the stuff is falling, Jeff Goldblum says, They like to get the landmarks. Which is like, it yep. almost, it almost. Almost funny. It's almost funny, but it almost like, it gave a clue that maybe the movie's not taking itself that seriously. Yes. But I then agree. that's the only line that does that because the rest of the movie is supposedly serious. But Those fishermen at near the laser oh. are somehow able to track to the minute to the second, the <laughs> penetration of a laser into the core of the Earth because of their, what, Doppler? They can, like... Yes, we can't even tell what's in the center of our Earth now. I don't know, maybe with the alien technology... These guys got, a, is... these got a, a graph going on. And, of course, because it's a Roland Emmerich movie, a nice little infographic showing a nice cut of the Earth and showing the, a... That's right. <laughs> the core. A little laser boring through. Exactly. Okay, the other relationship chemistry is liam hemsworth and his fiance i guess yes who is the daughter of bill pullman right. president i still don't know her name i don't either how did you feel about their chemistry though i thought their chemistry was quite bad uh -huh. the the <laughs> actress who played his daughter in the first one right. was not asked to come back for this and there was a little controversy behind it because Ooh. she is not um there was this thought that maybe she wasn't this classically pretty oh. uh, woman now that she's an adult, and they wanted to bring in... That's cold. I, they wanted to bring in someone across from Liam Hemsworth that was maybe more classically attractive. That's bad. That's bad. She was not even asked to be back in this movie. Wow. That's yeah. terrible. Really no good. And But it, it made me, because I saw this early on while looking at the trivia, it made me dislike this character even more. Yeah, I can see that. But man, she has teary eyes not much to do and it's supposed to be this big moment of her being like i want the house the brick one on lanchester Drury lane or whatever lane. yeah yeah and liam goes yeah if it's still there i was like yeah this is yeah yeah you're right the whole world is being attacked by aliens I understand you're trying to say, like, I'm ready to commit to you. That's such a weird line because she, like, chuckles at it. It's supposed to be, like, this funny line. Is leaving, <laughs> yeah, you're but right. It's, it's a really, People are dying everywhere. It's a really deep line. Like, yeah, you know, the whole street's probably blown up. Okay, I have to talk about yeah. the one redeeming scene-ish thing of this movie. The kids we cut to in the, in the magic school bus? No, I can't even, we, don't do with this. we don't have time to get to that. Listen, okay. of all the CG, typically, when movies do a lot of CG, they do it in the dark because it mm -hmm. hides the CG-ness of it. Mm -hmm. I will give this movie credit for doing a full-on CG Harvester Queen alien in this super bright desert. Salt flats. The salt yes. flats. And it's like running in broad daylight, and it actually looks pretty good. Yep. And there's even a moment when Bill Pullman's daughter is like flying away, and you get this shot 
like back at the alien queen and you see this tentacle like flick the wing off the plane like it looks really good and just that the sequence like the visual sequence of that looks really good and that that was a bold choice to do that in broad daylight salt flats so i give the movie credit yeah it did not shy away from that moment. I think a big CG queen running across chasing a bus for no reason does feel a little strange. That does, yeah, like if she knows where the little white ball is at that point, she wouldn't care about the bus. But maybe she just wants to get revenge. The other moment, too, is right before we see the queen, when they blow up the big ship in the shield, mm-hmm. we get the theme from the original movie. Oh, I didn't even notice that. The trumpet starts playing and you hear the victory music from the first movie and it you think it's over. And that music still evokes some positive yeah, feelings. Yeah, it's so, so good. That's good. What does Bill Pullman say when he blows up the, the ship? Get ready for a close encounter. No, no, he says... Uh, no, he says something like, Happy Fourth of July. Oh, yeah, Remember Me or something like that? Surprised to see me? Do it. Of course, the time. On behalf of the planet Earth, Happy Fourth of July. Stephen, if this script was passable, I think good scripts are scripts you don't think about because they mm. sound like normal people talking. Right. Are the characters bad because the script is bad? Or the character is bad because they have no nothing to do and no growth and no humanity. I think this is a both and situation. Okay. Because I think we've seen some disaster movies where the script is bad, but it's still Dwayne Johnson. Or the script is bad, but it's still Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And you can still enjoy it. But this one, it really sucks all the enjoyment out of it. Because it's, <sighs> it's, not, it's not good. Is Liam Hemsworth, are we supposed to know who his parents are? Who died via Alien? Is he connected to the... Not that I know of. I think they just died in the first movie. Right? I mean, that's all. Okay. Also, Jeff Goldblum's dad, he has the line when he's driving the school bus and he's looking off into the distance. Tall, dangling, that's my David. The fact that they meet up at the Salt Flats, there is a lot of meetups of right. people that I think, how in this big old world plus moon, how are you able to find each other again all around Area 51? All right, listeners, tell us what you thought of Independence Day colon insurgent no resurgence or revenge (laughs) anyway tell us what you thought comment on instagram at movies on the side and if you haven't yet give us a five-star rating and review in apple podcasts and don't forget we have a bonus episode every week click support the show in show notes or go to mots.fm and click support the show there and like we always say get ready for a close encounter (laughs) that was so dumb (laughs) 